There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 103 of the Digital Freemason Podcast. For the week of March 2nd, 2009. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along on my excellent adventures through the world of Charlie and Sonic educational papers. As always, this and all of the papers are available on the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com, and uh, I encourage you to swing on by and check them out. So it's been an interesting last couple of weeks. Um, been a lot of digital visiting going on. It's uh, one of the things that I've really been enjoying about doing this is uh, meeting up with a whole bunch of different brothers from around the world and having conversations with them digitally and that sort of thing and really, really have been liking that. So I encourage you to drop me a line at uh, podcast at thedigitalfreemason.com or come by and swing by the uh, Facebook group in uh, the Digital Freemason, and I think we're uh, we're right on the cusp of uh, 1,200 people in there, so that's growing quite well. Good conversation pieces going on in there. I just want to give a bit of a shout out to uh, Rich in Ireland, who's had a good conversation with, and uh, hopefully be able to have more conversations with him as things unfurl. So let's get on to this week's episode. It's um, Sonic Secrecy revisited, and gives a t- bit of a talk as to what it is about being a Freemason and what are what is secret and what isn't secret and it was uh, written by Ted Hendon and so without further ado let's get going with Ted Hendon and Masonic Secrecy Revisited. We often hear a Masonic speaker make the statement that Masonry is not a secret society with the emphasis on the word not. Occasionally we hear one say that Masonry is a secret society but rarely does either of these groups cite any authority to support his position or really attempt to define the term secret society. He sometimes gives his own definition, which of course proves his point. Those who adhere to the negative side of this debate seem to feel that the term secret society carries with it a connotation of something evil or subversive. This, of course, is absurd. Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, 9th edition, defines secret society as, quote, any of a various oath-bound societies often devoted to brotherhood, moral discipline, and mutual assistance, end quote. Now that doesn't sound too offensive, does it? Some of you may prefer the definition given by Dr. Albert Mackay in Mackay's revised Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. He states that secret societies fall into two categories. The first, being an organization whose place and times of meetings, and sometimes even its membership, is kept secret. And the second being one which is simply has some secret modes of recognition. In either of these respected sources is accepted as being authoritative, then the question has been answered. While we obviously do not meet the criteria of Mackay's first definition, Masonry is a secret society. Unless we can accept and agree upon some definition of the term, we will never agree as to whether Masonry does or does not fall within the classification. I am willing to accept Mackay's dual definition simply because I know of none that are better. Many Masonic leaders, in claiming that Masonry is not a secret society, stress the point that Masonry has no secrets, except ritual and some means of recognition. 
This revelation is apparently aimed at dispelling some of the objections of our critics and perhaps to make the Freemasonry more appealing to those who might be candidates for membership. In my judgment, such claim is inaccurate, fails to accomplish its purpose, and does a disservice to the craft. First, if those aforementioned secrets are all that we possess, we indeed have very little to hide. All of these secrets have been published for centuries and in more recent times have been televised for the world to see. Furthermore, to me it would be embarrassing to admit that we, as mature adults, would make such a stir about something so juvenile. Is masonry nothing but a men's club held together by a few almost childlike secrets and by supporting some organized charities such as Masonic bodies that, which we've adopted? Is the word of the Masonic tradition nothing more than a few syllables that can be completely disclosed by a few properly arranged letters of the alphabet? Is the Masonic grip as cold and physical and meaningless as a polite handshake with a business acquaintance? If the answer to the, each of these is yes, then there is little wonder that our membership is declining. One who sees nothing more in masonry than an opportunity to support our charities can find many excellent organizations that do great work of charity and which might be more appealing to him than that of Freemasonry. That alone is not sufficient to justify our existence. Certainly not enough to make to have made Masons the greatest fraternity on earth for the untold centuries that it has been. If this were all, we could forget the secrets, dissolve the fraternity, and contribute to all of our Masonic dollars to these charities. No, my brethren, this is only the surface. Masonry is much more than that. Second, and I believe most equally noteworthy, if these are the only secrets of Freemasonry, why should we stress secrecy to the extent that we do? Secrecy is by far the most emphasized lesson taught in the Entered Apprentice degree and is stressed anew in each of the succeeding degrees, even in the appendant and concordant bodies. Either we are making much ado about nothing, or there is no good reason to be concerned about the unauthorized disclosure of our secrets. Like anyone who has a just, just made a wonderful discovery, any zealous mason is eager to share his newfound knowledge with friends and loved ones, but he must refrain himself from attempting to reveal secrets which he himself may not yet fully comprehend. Further, he should understand that the true secrets of Freemasonry cannot simply be told. They must be experienced. They must be learned by the same means that Masons have learned them throughout the ages. And they must be learned, nay, they can be only be learned only by one who is properly prepared to receive them. In a small book entitled Short Talks on Masonries, published in 1928, a great Masonic writer, Brother Joseph Fort Newton, had this to say about secrecy. Quote, what is secrecy in masonry? It's a method of its teaching, the atmosphere it creates, the spirit it breathes into our hearts, and the tie that it spins and weaves between man and man. In other words, the lodge and its ceremonies and obligations, its signs, tokens and words, its power to evoke what is the most secret and hidden inside the heart of men. No one can explain how this is done. We only know that it is done and guard as a priceless treasure the method by which it is wrought. Brother Newton further states, No one need to be alarmed about any book written to expose masonry. It is utterly harmless. The real secret of masonry cannot be learned by prying eyes or the curious inquiry. We do well to protect the privacy of the lodge, but the secret 
of masonry can only be known by those who are ready and worthy to receive it. Only a pure heart and an honest mind can know it. Others seek it in vain and never know it, though they be adept in all the signs and tokens of every right and rank of the craft. Brother Newton's reference to the tie that spins and weaves between man and man has been the subject of many writers who have recognized an affinity between Masons which exists between members of no other organization. In the aforementioned work, Mackay's Revised Encyclopedia of Freemasonry, Dr. Mackay declares that Freemasons alone are under the influence and enjoy the benefits of the mystic tie, and are known as the brethren of the mystic tie. Brother Robert Burns, in his farewell to his brethren at St. James Lodge at Tarbolton, Scotland, recited the following, Adieu, a heart warm, fond adieu, dear brothers of the mystic tie, ye favored, ye enlightened few, companions of my social joy. What then is the, this mystic tie? There have been volumes written on the subject, and it's not the purpose of this paper to fully explore its meaning. I will submit, however, that there is much more of a secret than just a password and handshake. Freemasonry has always been willing, even eager, to share her secrets with those who are worthy and well qualified, properly prepared, and who come of their own free will and accord. Unfortunately, too many come with less than these qualities. They do not receive the true secrets of Masonry. Some may come fully qualified, but we fail in our attempts to properly impart these secrets. These candidates learn the meaning of the recognition and rituals and think that that's all there is. Little wonder that there may be so many dropouts. Over the centuries, it is inevitable that we may seek admission in, into our order. Who would not, for whatever reason, grasp the full meaning of masonry? All of our own greed and desire for growth would result in the acceptance of more and more of those who would petition for membership, regardless of their motive. In an effort to save time, we have eliminated many of the teachings which have set Freemasonry apart from other organizations, and we have an entire generation of Masons, of whom many it must not be deprived of these teachings. I'm afraid that many of our most vocal spokesmen have never learned the true secrets of Freemasonry, nor do they enjoy the benefits of, of the mystic tie. They in turn are depriving the next generation of these teachings, and are attempting to perpetuate our existence by offering the profane world a grip, a word, and an opportunity to contribute to charities. Brethren, if this is all that there is to Freemasonry, how can we justify our existence? If there are no more profound teachings than the disclosure of a bit of ritual and some means of recognition, all of which we have can easily be obtained in an inexpensive book, our cause is not justified. If it's to be united in support of our ch charities, regardless of how great it is our only claim to perpetuality, then we will not survive, nor should we. Can we not find a worthwhile charity to support without banding together as a fraternity? Now that we have learned that the bit of ritual and means of recognitions, and why are we continuing to pay our annual dues? And why did we get our money's worth in the first place? If that's all that Freemasonry has to offer me, I would have taken my leave long ago. So that's Ted Hendon's piece on Masonic secrecy. And I agree with a lot of that that he has to say. And it's the, it's the intangibles that really make the fraternity what it is. And 
Klaska pointed out, is, as I mentioned, is uh, the connections that I'm having with Masons throughout the world uh, through this podcast. And something that's just come in here recently is I have found out that uh, the Digital Freemason podcast is being translated into Spanish. And I'll have a link to it in the website, so be sure to check that out if you're of the Spanish inclination. So I've enjoyed our time together, and until the next couple weeks from now, please be sure to swing by and visit uh, the Facebook site, thedigitalfreemason.com, or the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com. Always excited about uh, having emails or uh, links sent to me that uh, can help out in uh, some other aspects of Freemasonry that uh, you feel would be good for everybody to get their... uh, Masonic teeth sunk into. So until next time, be sure to keep the shiny side up.